It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Wes Goldberg of Locked On Heat here with my co-host, David Ramil. Before we jump into this episode, we're going to do something that we rarely do, and that is to make a humble ask of you. We have a brand new Patreon page. You can find it by going to patreon.com forward slash Locked On Heat. And we're asking for people to commit to pledging a dollar a month to help us improve the quality of the show. So check it out. Please take a look. And if you're so inclined to help us out and improve your own listening experience, donate to our fund. We put out so much free material. The podcast is free, and we spend a lot of time and effort trying to make it the best daily podcast we can for you, the listener. To do that, all we're asking for is 20 listeners to pledge about a dollar a month. That would cover the overhead for the software that we're hoping to adopt and use. By going to patreon.com slash lockdownheat and becoming a patron, you will become an official Lockdown Heat board member. David and I like to hear from you, and by creating this board, we will have a group of dedicated listeners to bounce ideas off of for the show. You'll have an opportunity to help influence the podcast and get to say cool things to your friends like, I'm on a board. We're simply asking now that you show your support for what we're doing so that hopefully we can keep doing this for a very long time. First, we'll improve the audio quality, and from there, as we get more pledges, patrons, and of course, board members, we'll use the money to further enhance the show and maybe feed the hosts here and there. So please go check it out. Again, it's patreon.com forward slash locked on heat. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash locked on heat. You are locked on heat. Your daily Miami heat podcast. Part of the locked on podcast network. Your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for the Step Back and FanDrag Sports, and I write for the Miami Heat's Tip-Off Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Ramil, a credentialed NBA writer who's covered the Heat for SB Nation and All You Can Heat's on a Cup. I cover the NBA at large for FanSide and FanRag Sports, and you can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRamil13 been reported that Deion Waiters is going to opt for season-ending surgery. That's going to have a lot of ramifications on the Heat this season, what they might end up doing at the trade deadline. Um, and we're going to talk about all of this on the show, some internal candidates, some external candidates that they could use to replace Waiters going forward. Um, but I, I wanted to touch a little bit on what Deion Waiters has kind of meant to the Heat so far this season when he was playing. I mean, he's been one of the top clutch players in the league. Um, you're seeing this stat kind of circulate among the beat reporter pieces lately. 48 points in 48 clutch minutes this season. Really impressive. Again, w- among the top in the league in clutch performances, um, what the NBA dis- defines as uh, games decided by five or fewer points with five minutes left to go in a game. But the Heat have been fine without him lately. They've won a lot of these games, especially when we talk about the six-game win streak that they're on. Uh, in those in those clutch situations, the Heat ranked number two in shooting percentage in the clutch, number one in three-point shooting percentage, and they're uh, uh, defensively number two in opponent shooting percentage and number one in opponent three-point percentage. So they're getting it done in those situations on both ends of the court. Um, Josh Richardson, in particular, has done an awesome job in those situations. Uh, he often plays all 12 minutes in the fourth quarter, sort of replacing that Deion Waiters role at the end. 
Um, and he's a plus 64 plus minus in those clutch situations in a team high 85 minutes. Uh, so David, obviously they've been fine without him, but, but in regards to just kind of missing waiters and what he's able to do, are you worried or what, what's kind of your take on this as, as Dion waiters is due to miss probably the rest of the regular season? I, I'm not worried. I'm strangely not worried considering how much I appreciate what waiters brings to the table. But as far as like his earlier clutch, you know, production, I think a lot of that was him trying to recreate uh, the role that he, you know, succeeded in, in holding last season, especially when he was such a a crucial part of that 13 game win streak last year uh, of the, the 30 and 11 stretch to end the season. There were so many key games in which, he played a significant part in, in helping seal a victory for Miami that uh, I think he was trying to recreate that a little bit, especially after having signed the lucrative deal that he did over the summer. So I think there was a lot of him understanding that his role on the team was supposed to be bigger. Uh, maybe everybody else kind of taking a back seat and deferring a little bit to Dion because of Dion's personality and the, and the, you know, and, and the idea of trying to keep chemistry and maintain the peace while, uh, you know, along the roster. Um, but I'm not necessarily as worried because, like with any injury, it creates opportunities for other guys to understand the game a little bit better, to get experience. Like, even if Dion had come back, one of the things that Goran Dragic pointed out when uh, when he recorded his recent podcast with Lo, uh, Lo, uh, Zach Lowe of ESPN was talking about something that you and I have mentioned on occasion, that you know injuries aren't necessarily a bad thing, especially in a team as well-coached as Miami, because they create – opportunities for other guys to gain valuable experience. Now we have Josh Ritson fl- uh, flourishing as the team's best player. We have Tyler Johnson understanding his role a little bit better as he comes in and out of the lineup due to injury. Uh, you know, you got, the, you got other guys there producing at a higher level. You get the rookies like Bam Adebayo or, or, you know, last season, Rodney Magruder, a, a bunch of guys kind of stepping mm-hmm. up and playing key roles. And, and I think that's still the case. So when it comes to this season, I, I think we have enough players – currently on the roster to make up for the lack of Dion. Uh, you know, Dion is a controversial figure, obviously because of his high usage, because he's not necessarily the most efficient player, but there are some benefits despite what a lot of heat Twitter thinks uh, and having him on the floor, because he does create opportunities for others. He is overall a solid defender, even though his defense has been off a little this season. Um, and I, again, I think he's, if nothing else, he's willing to take shots that a lot of guys aren't. Sometimes yeah. that's a detriment. Sometimes it's a positive. And I think mostly during his heat tenure, it's been a positive, although some might par- might argue otherwise. Well, I think what the Heat are going to miss is sort of that shot-creating ability that you're talking about. I mean, yes, he's willing to take some shots that other guys aren't, but that's often served the Heat well. I just I thought so many times at the start of this season – that they sort of defaulted towards that. Like, they were just like, okay, last two minutes, just give to Dion. We'll see what happens. And the offense basically would fall apart. It basically would would ride on either Dion making or missing contested jumpers, which I just thought was not an efficient way to, to end those games. Um, and that's that's true because, you know, when Waiters has been out, this team has been even better, I think, in clutch situations. Regardless, I don't even want to talk about advanced stats, just winning games, in just winning close games at the end. They've been better at it since waiters has been out and I don't want to completely put that on Dion because I think that the heat, the coaching staff, the roster, the, his teammates kind of defaulted to him in those situations anyway. So what you're kind of talking about here is those injuries are kind of, you know, the necessity is, is you know, the father of invention or whatever they, the, sure. the saying goes, but, and that's sort of what's happening here. And Spolster, by the way, has done a phenomenal job throughout his career 
of figuring things out because guys have been injured. You can go back to the big three era when he had to move Chris Bosh to center. I mean, just kind of injuries kind of dictating the way he sets his roster and his game plan and formulates, you know, the way the offense and the defense runs. He's always been really great at it. Um, I think what the Heat are going to miss, though, with Waiters is just that drive and kick ability. Um, you know, if, if if you're worried at all about the wear and tear on Dragic down the stretch of an 82-game regular season, that might have come in handy later on. You know, it was only inevitable that Deion Waiters was going to go on like a 10-game streak where he was the best player in the league, you know, and we all fell in love with him again. Again, that was going to happen at some point if he were healthy, um, as is, you know, such as life in, on Deion Waiters Island. But, uh, you know, outside of all of that, look, I'm just going to – I think the – I like Deion Waiters. I still, I, I still own property on the island. I just think that the Heat right now are better off without him, and I really don't think that they're going to miss him a whole lot. And it sounds like you're you're sort of on that side of the fence with me. I just, given where this team is right now and who their best players are and where they need to develop, you know, where where Dragic is probably their best offense, pure offensive player. Josh Richardson mm-hmm. is their best two way player, and just the fact that they're trying to get these guys uh, more involved and, and just you know the development of Wayne Ellington, you know, as the the one of the best three-point shooters in the league right now and a do-it-all sort of offensive player who spaces the floor for them, who needs more minutes to do that, they're better off without Dion right now. It's it's tough to separate the two because the reality is that this is a team that was on the upswing and maybe has slowly been developing towards where they're at right now. They've also you know found a, a nice weak spot in their schedule that they've been able to take advantage of. So how much is that because of Dion's absence and how much of that is just organic growth on the t- on the part of whoever's yeah. left on the roster? I mean, look, I mean, they've gotten better without Whiteside too. Does that mean that we should get rid of him or that we shouldn't play him at all? I, I mean, I think it's just trying to find just different like roles Whiteside. in this team. Yeah, you're right. And just like Whiteside, you know, he comes back from injury and he plays a little bit of a different role. So what do you think Dion's role now should the, be? Who knows yeah. what it will be? What do you what do you think he should? I think he should be coming off the bench. I think he should come off the bench as a six man. I think he has a lot of value in that. I don't know. Look, I mean, that's been brought up to him in the past when he's been struggling, and he, he's told reporters, "Look, I'm a starter in this league. I'm not coming off the bench." We know that that attitude doesn't fly in Miami. We know that the Heat culture dictates that you do your job and you do what the coaches ask of you, right? And if if it, we'll we'll see if he agrees with that or not, we can talk about tensions in the organization with that. But I just per, just what his best role is, I think that's it. And then if you bring him off the bench and he's hot, you can ride that hot hand that Spolstra is known to do. I think that's the best role for him, though. That probably is the best role for him. I mean, that's uh, I, I think high usage players like that, especially as, as as potentially inefficient as Dion can be on a nightly basis. I think the best thing for him is just to kind of be the the scorer off the bench, the facilitator scorer off the bench because he needs to play both roles. And that's that's a difficult right. balance too because, I mean, even as we talk to players around the league, there's always a, a, a fine line for them to cross between being aggressive and pushing and making their shot and understanding, well, you know, sometimes they can get other guys going. You know, when I had a chance to talk to Donovan Mitchell earlier this season, he was still really learning that adjustment and, you know, he puts up some really big stat lines and everybody falls in love with his production. But there are moments there where he misses a big play or he misses a chance to get somebody else going, a Joe Ingles or, you know, a Derek Favors or something along those lines. And and that's as a rookie. 
Dion at 25 obviously has been in the year in the, in the league for five seasons now and he should know better and I still think that's a problem for him and and it's might be one that he has for the rest of his career so you wonder whether or not he's going to be aware of how to change his game um you know it's weird that he hasn't been on the sideline I don't know if that's a personal decision I don't know if it's a team one I don't know that there is tension between him and the front office there might be um, we've heard conflicting reports regarding whether or not he wanted surgery or whether the team wanted surgery. Uh, so there's a lot going on there as far as whether or not he might disagree with how they viewed him. Like, you know, obviously there were some financial bonuses tied into him playing more games. Supposedly he wanted surgery, uh, which would have kept those bonuses. You know, he wouldn't have gotten collected on those bonuses. So you wonder how much of that plays into the factor. You know, maybe there's already the beginning of tension there. And or moreover, you know, Dion had been showing signs of being very, I won't say overconfident because that's always been the case, but just kind of, well, maybe not necessarily in the best interest of the team, like not following right. on the best interest of the team, like doing things necessarily for himself as opposed to helping other teams better and maybe costing the team as a result. And, and so you wonder whether or not this kind of experience, whether it was forced on him by the front office, whether or not somebody ultimately decided that this was what was best for him um, or whether it was his decision overall maybe this provides a kind of humbling experience for him yeah. to get back to where he was at the start of last season, where he had, he understood that I think he had to work extra hard to prove himself because the summer before, after when he was, you know, a restricted free agent. And then all of a sudden he was uh, renounced by the Oklahoma city thunder. And although he claims there were a lot of teams calling with more lucrative offers, the reality is he signed a pretty inexpensive deal with Miami. He bet on himself. He doubled down and sure he won, but I think part of that betting on himself understood there was a self some self awareness there that he had to work extra hard to to make that the the kind of leap that a lot of people expected from him. Maybe he got a little complacent. Uh, maybe yeah. he got a little cocky, a little too. I mean, cocky. It doesn't look like he was as good in shape this year as he was last year. I think a lot of people will compare that overconfidence to that of like a Mario Chalmers. But the Heat never paid Mario Chalmers what they're paying Deion Waiters right now, and. And I think that's a big difference. And just look, the Heat are going to be, it looks like they're going to be without Dan Waiters from the rest of the season, but he still has three years left on this contract. Maybe they wanted him to play just to get his trade value up and then try to move on from him. That's not going to happen. Nobody's going to trade for Dan Waiters at this point. So they have him, right? He's on, he will be part of this. So this is something they're going to have to figure out going forward. But for now, they still have to figure out a way to replace him. We'll talk about some of the internal candidates they have and then later some external candidates that could be out there for them to replace waiters. But first, Locked On Heat still has inventory for sponsorships this season. This is a great opportunity for local South Florida businesses to connect with Heat fans. If you're unhappy with your return on investment with traditional advertising, say online or in print, try something new in 2018. Podcast listeners are 65% more likely to engage with advertisers and in our experience, are more passionate and often viewed as experts on topics, the trendsetters, if you will, the exact sort of consumers that most businesses want to target. Our rates are reasonable, and they're based on the number of listens, so it's an efficient use of your time and money. For more information on rates and next steps, email us at lockdownheat at gmail.com, and we, we could be talking about your company right here on the show. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We'll talk about the trade deadline later on, uh, but the Heat have some internal candidates to replace Dion's production. Obviously, they've been going with Tyler Johnson so far as a starter when he's been healthy, of course, um, while Waiters has been out. Tyler Johnson's been played really well. We've talked about this before. He's played really well in in those in that role now, starting next to Goran Dragic. But he's been hurt with a shoulder issue. Derek Jones Jr., fresh, freshly signed to a two-way contract. He has about 17 days left on his deal. He's started the last couple of games in place of Tyler Johnson, uh, who's still dealing with that shoulder issue. Um, even though Tyler came off the bench in a, like a minutes restriction sort of role in the Miami's last game. The Heat can convert Derek Jones Jr.'s uh, two-way deal to a 15-man roster spot contract. Like that's, That is an available option for them, but they'd have to release a player. Most likely that would be A.J. Hammonds. Um, and then some guys that are injured who could return and possibly get some, more of, the, some of those uh, shooting guard minutes. Roddy Magruder, who started at small forward last season, but he's 6'4". We've always thought he's more of a shooting guard. He shot 33% from three-point range last season, but it got better as the year went on. I think he'd be a really interesting option, David. And then, of course, this idea that comes from um, one of our Patreon supporters, Marcus. He wrote in, what if the Heat start Justice Winslow at the three and move Josh Richardson to the two? An interesting idea. So of all of those ideas, David, I want I just kind of listed through them. If you have any other ones, please let me know. But of all those ideas, what do you what do you like the best out of like, what do you think is the most appropriate way to just sort of replace Dion? My gut instinct tells me to go with what's been working, and that's to keep Derek Jones Jr. in a starting lineup. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? I, I'm I, shocked. Are, are you really? I thought for sure you were going to go with Tyler Johnson. No, I, I, I like Tyler off the bench. And I, I think, oh, okay. I think you know, we've always envisioned him being the best, most effective sixth man. He still plays a heck of a lot of minutes. He came in there and provided some nice boost. A change of pace, I think, um, with Josh Richardson dominating the ball as much as or using the, the ball as much as, as he can in the starting lineup, I think it makes sense to keep him happy and going uh, and, and to continue to build that confidence, which I think is still an ongoing issue. Um, I, I'd, I'd rather keep Tyler on there, kind of have him come off the bench and, and maybe close out games if needed. But I think Derek provides a different kind of flavor, a, a different boost there, that verticality that one of our listeners pointed out in our most recent podcast or yeah exactly and and you know he's he's just a nice boost i think he has some potential there and i'd like to see him continue to develop that because i think this is where the 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 overarching theme for this team is just to build as much as possible they it might beat them in the playoffs you know the playoffs as we've talked about on a number of occasions you need that star player who's going to get that offense for you when there's a clutch moment there maybe a guy like Dion, maybe not you know, we, we've yet to see what kind of version of Dion we might be able to get in the playoffs. So I wonder if he's that guy or not. But it, it, again, without that star superstar player on this roster, maybe Miami has a limited ceiling. But I think the strength of this team can come from eight to nine to ten guys being able to step in on any given moment and provide a boost, stay healthy, stay fresh uh, and change things around. And I think I think everybody's happier that way, to be honest with you contributing yeah. a few minutes at a time. Like um, you see it at the superstar level in places like Cleveland or Golden State where superstars take a reduced role and maybe that's where the the overall approach of winning a title, but I think that could still work here in Miami too on a, on a smaller scale, you know, necessarily with the title pursuit, but with just finding the best version of this team as possible. And for now, I think a guy like Derek 
provides that extra boost. Tyler off the bench makes sense to me. I think Rodney's going to be way too rusty to come in. Um, he, he's going to do a lot as far as defensively is concerned, but I wonder if some of that aggression that we saw from him early on, uh, um, you know, as far as or his offense was concerned, I wonder if that'll still be there. He's got to understand his role, so there's going to be an adjustment there. And as far as justice is concerned, wait, wait, wait. I want to I want to talk about that's a really good point that you bring up with Magruder because that was to me. I highlighted the Magruder idea as the one that I like the most because okay. for everything Derek Jones Jr. brings, small sample size, everything, you know, considering the small sample size it's been in, I thought Magruder just is a more proven player. And I've always liked him personally as a shooting sure. guard more than a small forward. He just kind of played the three last year out of necessity. Oh, yeah. But he does have the ability to space the floor. He does like those in-between things that Derek Jones Jr. has done in the last couple of games as far as just getting rebounds and boxing out well and guarding guys well. Um, and just sort of not needing the ball in a starting unit of guys who all basically need the ball. Um, so I like that, but you're right. He might be rusty when he comes back. That might not be a viable option, at least right away. Um, and as far as Derek Jones Jr., look, I'm really like, I know Heat Nation's in love with Derek Jones Jr. right now. Like all I see is Derek Jones Jr. love on my, on my Twitter feed right now. Yeah. And that's great. Look, I've always liked Derek Jones Jr. as an athlete. And I think there's a lot to like there. That's all there is Um, to like about him, right? But there might that might exactly that that said, I have been impressed what he what he does for Miami as far as a transition game. There's certainly value in that, right? He's got a couple of nice transition dunks and layups um, off of steals, not necessarily his steal, but like getting out on the break. Like is in 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 a, in a starting unit of Dragic along with Dragic, Richardson, uh, Olenek, and Whiteside. I don't think there's any doubt that just from a pure athlete standpoint standpoint, he is the most athletic of that group. Right. Oh yeah. So, Without a doubt. Um, I think there might be only the fastest. I mean, that dude. Yeah. No, no. There might be concerns about his defense. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about. Right. You know, during the I mean, past, he's so small. Yeah, yeah. Well, not small as in height wise, but just, like just underweight. Under yeah, he's, yeah, he is too yeah, small. Like he might, he might weigh 150 pounds. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um. So, uh, look, I think they're – I kind of like the Tyler Johnson idea, and then maybe later on you go with Magruder. I really – the Magruder thing to me is a mystery. Who knows how many even minutes he gets, regardless of what role he's playing. I will say that um, but, I, if, if Magruder is healthy, my feeling is that Spolster would start him right away because I think he just – he loves everything about Rodney. Like this – that kind of – you know, the, the go-getting attitude, the fact that he works for everything, that he struggled and, and had to find his place in the league. I think I think Spolstra is so enamored with that whole ideology that if Magruder comes back and plays even close to healthy, he'll get his starting job back. And one option that we should mention that we haven't talked about is Wayne Ellington. And I thought that would be an option when Wade was just out in the first place. Uh, but, but Spolstra seems so committed to bringing Wayne Ellington off the bench that he's even started Tyler Johnson right. mostly, you know what I mean? Who he was previously was the bench guy. Um, uh, and then I want to talk about this last one a little bit because I really like this idea. You know, the other ones are pretty easily, like you can easily think about that plug and play aspect of whether it's Tyler Johnson, uh, DJ or Magruder, but this idea from Marcus again, um, starting justice Winslow when he's healthy at the three and then moving Josh Richardson to the two I've always thought Josh Richardson is more of a shooting guard in the first place, uh, even though he's more than held his own at at small forward. I just think he could have an advantage at shooting guard. Um, I would not put this past Spolstra. This seems like the thing that Spolstra would do is just to sort of switch things up. And really, it doesn't matter who the two or the three is in this situation. I mean, you could even argue that Winslow is the two at this point. 
just the idea though of starting Winslow and Jay Rich, Rook one and Rook two, so to speak, on the wings. I I actually I hated it at first, but the more I think about it, the more I like it, and the more it doesn't even matter what I think. The more I think it is sort of in Spo's wheelhouse to do something like that, to just sort of shake it up a, one more time during the regular season. Because yes, it's not as simple as plug and play Tyler or Rodney or whomever, but. And yes, of course, it does also limit the spacing because you have to wonder if Winslow's shooting. Look, he's shooting 39%, but it's only on one and a half three-point attempts per game, and still defenses don't respect him, so it's still going to be an issue spacing-wise. But we've seen time and time again Spolster just not care about that because he he will always say things like, it's not about just shooting what you can do spacing, but it's just the way you set screens and the way you pass the ball that can improve spacing as well. I would not put this past him. To me, I actually think that this is probably the most likely thing that happens is Winslow starting next to Jay Rich. And that wing tandem, by the way, defensively would be insane. Now, would you continue to start Olenek at the four then? Yeah, I think think he would. And I mean, that... that, Barring a trade, yeah. That changes a lot as far as the spacing is concerned because obviously Olenek provides some really nice outside Mm -hmm. shooting there. Um, But again, with, with Winslow in there and the fact that defenses probably will not respect him... That means they'll collapse on the paint and they'll make things more difficult for Hassan Whiteside. So that's an issue then, you know. Yes. I mean, I agree. It's all issues. But we've seen Spo not care about that. Like We've seen Spo just play non-shooters together. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I'm trying to figure out, and I, I don't have the vision for it, to be honest with you. I, I can't see how he has a place on this team. And, and it sucks mm-hmm. to say that just as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think he might – that that the only space for him would just be playing like this, this like weird extra starting spot that, that just sort of is a, is that like fifth guy? I mean, defenses aren't going to respect them, but what if that, that 39% shooting isn't, isn't fake? You know, what if that is a real improvement shooting wise, right? We've seen, we saw teams last season, not respect Roddy Magruder and then eventually start respecting him a little bit more. Right. That might be the case with Winslow. You start him. Teams don't respect him because of his reputation. And then, you know, maybe he's not shooting 39%, but what if he's shooting 33%? Still, that's good. That's what McGrew's shot last year. Um, and teams slowly start to respect him a little bit more. I think what Winslow does as far as a defensive standpoint, as far as what he does rebounding, uh, being an extra ball handler, he sets good screens. Um, again, he's an elite wing defender, and you put him next to Richardson, and that, you know, so what we're not talking about a lot of this season is Miami is a, is an average defensive team at best. Justice Winslow in that starting unit could help a lot of things, you know? I just The more I think about this, the more it makes sense to me. You, you've kind of changed my mind a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of being swayed by the recent performances and the fact that the, the team has played as well as they have, and that's why I led, you know, lent a little bit towards the idea of, uh, of Derek Jones starting, but... You know, right. I, I feel like even if Olinikin is exploited at the four defensively, I think, you know, Winslow has enough versatility so that he can slide over and help protect that guy a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You get enough offense with everybody else that's on the floor where you don't necessarily miss anything because Winslow's starting instead of a guy. I mean, he, he, you know, Derek Jones is just playing a complimentary role anyway. It's not like he's starting. He's not like he's putting up a huge numbers or anything like that. So I think even Winslow just gets a few shot opportunities. That's more than enough for him. Um, and if, if, if and you can always bring Olenek off the bench again and start James Johnson, yeah, I like, but even if Olenek, yeah, if, if Olenek gets in foul trouble, 
then I think there's enough depth in the, on the rotation now between Bam, James Johnson, everybody else, assuming they stay healthy, where you can kind of slide guys in and out. You know, you, you bring – you take Justice out, bring Tyler Johnson in, move Josh off, you know. And, and again, it does provide another ball handler for to take some of the pressure off of Goran. He can push the pace a little bit, and I think that works particularly well. So um, it'll be interesting to see. One thing that we should mention with Derek Jordan's Jr. again, he's on that two-way contract. There's only about 17 days left on that deal. If the Heat even wanted to keep him on the roster, regardless if they wanted to start him or not and wait as a spot, they'd have to figure out a way to get to, to retain him. And so they could convert that to a 15-man roster spot, but they'd have to release somebody. Um, the obvious name there is A.J. Hammonds, just because we haven't seen him at all this season. There's no future for him in Miami, um, as Barry Jackson and Miami Herald has reported. But – um, that is that that's something that would have to ha- be accomplished in order to even have Derek Jones Jr. on the roster. And frankly, I don't know how much playing like he's played well. And if he keeps playing this way, he will earn minutes. Spo always finds a way to get guys some minutes here if they're playing if they deserve it. But when Magruder comes back and when Winslow comes back and Tyler Johnson is fully healthy and he's getting his full allotment of minutes, I just don't know how much room there is for Derek Jones Jr. if you want to get all these guys involved. So um it's it's something it's something Spo's gonna have to figure out, and it's really it's something that we're gonna monitor going forward, and, and probably we're not the first answer probably might not be the last answer either. Um, the Heat may still look to acquire a guard at the trade deadline. We'll look at some options next, but first, quick reminder: make sure that you are subscribed to Locked On Heat on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on Spotify. We should be there too now. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Helps other Heat fans discover this show. Also, be sure to check out the rest of what the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including shows for every NBA and NFL team. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, the Heat have until Monday to apply for the disabled player exception uh, or player option. That would give them about $5.5 million to use on a player uh, on an expiring contract or a one-year deal. By March 12th, the trade deadline, however, is February 8th, right? So they would have to trade for somebody that's making $5.5 or less by February 8th. And if they don't, they would still, if they apply and are granted that exception, which they probably would be, I think, in this situation, um, if they don't trade for anybody by the deadline, they could still sign somebody by March 12th. Um, but they would still have to create a roster spot. That's the catch there regardless. So you either have to swap a player in a trade or release a player and sign a player. Um, that could help them sign Derek Jones Jr., by the way, if that's what they needed to do, um, if they decided to sign him to something more than a minimum contract for whatever reason. But um, that's not that much fun. What is fun, I think, is just trade candidates because it's always fun to fire up the trade machine. So I've got a few of them for you, David. Um, first one being, like, I'm not really excited about any of these. I just want to kind of preface all of this, but these are just options of guys that the Heat could trade for that are making five and a half million dollars or less. Aaron Aflalo or Mario Hazonia from Orlando. Do you like any of those options? Uh no, I do not. Okay. Cause you see you've seen the, the magic up close and in person. Aflalo <laughs> is what now? It's like an old guard that used to shoot well. I think he's uh, been that for like the last six years now. 
Yeah. Um, he still has that consistent low post game, but that's such an inefficient part of most offenses nowadays that I don't see him unleashing it very much. Um, he doesn't really do much else. He's an okay defender. Um, and again, most taking a flyer on his own. Yeah. Uh, it is, but if you're looking for a playoff push, he's not the player to help put you over it. Like mm-hmm. he's a long-term project, and whether it's been Scott Skiles or Frank Vogel, nobody has seemed to be able to connect with him and get him to play consistent minutes. There are always flashes there. If you watch him play on any night, there's a good chance that you'll see something spectacular from him. He'll, his shots going, his ball handling is going, and all of a sudden he starts playing at a very high level and then the next day you'll see him and, and his defense is horrific he's kind of lost out there and you don't know what's going on and and so that might be a, a long-term project that you want to invest in but he's also due for a, an extension at some point so you wonder whether or not that's something to consider so I, I don't know it might be like a it's it is an intriguing by low candidate you know what I mean like if you're the heat and you don't have any draft picks basically Trading for the fifth overall pick who has this insane athleticism and swingman ability, you know, a guy who can play anywhere between the four and the two um, is really intriguing, but he's been so bad. Like if you can't, if you can't get off the, if you can't get like actual playing time in Orlando and get like the coaches trust in Orlando, I don't know how you like, I don't know if like the heat just bank on their heat culture and try to get something more out of him. It really is an intriguing buy low candidate. I don't know what the magic would be looking for in return. If they want a draft pick, no way. Um, would they swap them just for a guy on a on a better deal? Like, would they just swap them for like a guy like Jordan Mickey? Like, who knows? Like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, probably not. But no, I wouldn't but, see that. You know, yeah, I don't. I think they'd be asking for a little bit more, and I don't think it'd be worth it. Um, a couple names that we should just talk about because they are on, like the trade market as far as just trade rumors go in the general NBA sense. Tyreek Evans and Lou Williams who are both having really good seasons for for Memphis and, and the Clippers, respectively. I think they're going to get, if if those teams decide to move on from those guys, uh, because they might not be making the playoffs and because Tyreek Evans is an expiring contract, um, I don't think that the Heat have what it takes to get that done. It's probably going to take like a late first-round pick, and I, the Heat just obviously they don't have that. So I want to just kind of – it's not happening. Tyreek Evans, Lou Williams, not happening. Um but other Memphis guys, James Ennis, a return to Miami possibly. Ben McLemore, who's not very good, but you know might be an option. <laughs> I don't know, like a three point shooting option there. Uh, good size. Um, do you does do any of those names? Are you open to a return of James Ennis? Uh, it's a feel good story that I don't necessarily want to read anytime soon. So. Um... No, I don't know. None of those external candidates provide some, 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 provide some really nice work ethic. He'd be a perfect fit here in that regard. They're trying to get him to space the floor a little bit more. I saw him in a in a pregame workout, and he was just like he was putting in so much work before the game. Uh, and, and he still leaves it all out there one, during those few minutes where he does play. He, he actually got a couple starts uh, in Michael Malone's lineup, which is a little odd uh, when they were going through a number of injuries there. I think uh, I think Gary Harris was hurt for a couple of games. Yeah. They had really but he hasn't played mostly because of guys like Gary Harris there. And just there, there's so much depth in Denver yeah. on uh, in that backcourt that he's not. I actually like him. And I, I, 
that seems to me like the reason I listed him here is because I like him. And, and you're like, you mentioned he's got a good work ethic and he might be able to fit in in Miami. It just seems like the kind of thing that the Heat would do is just to kind of grab this guy from like the end of somebody else's bench and just start him and he'd be well. Like just like Derek Jones Jr., who they got on a two way contract, who was in, who was in Phoenix, you know, and Phoenix was maybe the worst team in the NBA, one of them. Mm-hmm. And then they're starting him now. So, um, Overall, I think it's going to be tough for them to make a trade. Um, I wouldn't rule it out, but it's it's going to be hard. They just they don't they don't have any first round picks that they can move until twenty twenty three. They don't have any second round picks that they can move um, until twenty twenty two. Those those basically have no value, and it wouldn't be it would not be worth it to just replace somebody for a, for half of a season and trade a future pick like that anyway, first or second round. It doesn't matter. Wouldn't be worth it for Miami to do it. And they really don't have much to trade outside of that. So I think it's going to be hard for them to, to make that trade. I would, if I'm the Heat, I would monitor uh, the buyout market. And I think that's what they're going to be doing. Guys like Marco Bellinelli in Atlanta or Corey Brewer at the Lakers, who could get bought out, uh, both are making more than $5.5 million a season. So they're not an option for that DPO, the disabled player option here, um, as far as trades go. But if they get bought out, they'll make a portion of that money more likely than not. And then the Heat could probably just sign them to something less than $5.5 million and fit them under that DPO. So to me, I think the Heat are going to be – they're not going to be players in the trade market. But as always, they will be players in the buyout market. And I think if you're a Heat fan, that's what you should be looking you at. You see, I, I kind of tend to disagree there. I think obviously they weren't active in that regard last year because they had a really nice chemistry going. They were kind of bringing everybody off the bench and, 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 you know, kind of, and then they had a, a hugely successful second half of the season there. I don't know that there's anybody on this roster now who's going to convince any of those veteran players that this is the opportunity for them. Like they're not a clear cut title contender. Um, there's no Dwayne Wade here to kind of say, you know what, you need to come here. You think it's going to take something like that? I mean, I, I for a guy so. like Corey Brewer or Bellinelli, just to, I mean, they're going to, they're Why would you want play? those like, players what? anyway? Like a Bellinelli spacing the floor, that's fine. That's inconsistent. Uh, he doesn't play much defense at this point, if he ever did. Um, Corey Brewer, no, no thank you. Can't score. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's a solid point. I think what they you wouldn't start either of those guys. It would just oh, be for, for, for depth, you know, and I think that's what we're we're looking at here. I think the most logical option is either a buyout candidate like that or Standing you know, swapping like O'Kara White's ex- expiring for another minimum contract because Miami has more than enough front court players now. Maybe you try to trade AJ Hammonds, which I still think they're going to do. By the way, I think they're going to just predicting, just reading tea leaves, no information. I think they're going to try to trade AJ Hammonds, even though that's probably going to be impossible, mm. or O'Kara White or something like that in order to make room for Derek Jones Jr. Mm. I think that's what's going to happen because as We've seen the Heat. They're really stingy about their finances. I don't think they're going to want to just release A.J. Hammonds outright and just pay him the next two years, which are both guaranteed. Yeah. Um, for 1.3 and 1.5 million, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're going to want to just pay that. So I think they're going to be exploring the trade market, but it's not going to be for that big name. Again, it's not going to be Tyreek Evans here. It's going to be something maybe on the fringes of the roster that kind of free up their finances a little bit, allow them to re-sign D.J., and that might be the guy, you know, that they add as far as depth goes. Um, or you or you just move on from O'Kara White. As as hard as that would be, because we all like O'Kara White, he's an expiring contract. He's cheaper to release than even AJ Hammonds. I don't know. I don't know what the situation's gonna be. I think you still could they could still explore swapping either one of them for just another bench guy. Like I, I wrote down here Brooklyn's Isaiah Whitehead, who's not a very good player, but he's on a three year minimum deal. Maybe the Brooklyn wants to get off of that three-year deal and they would swap him for O'Kara White. I don't even like that deal for Miami, but it's just a sort of an example of the deal that they could make just to sort of add some depth. 
Yeah. I'm wondering so, if there's anybody in the G League that might deserve a call up at this point. I don't know that there is. Not, not in the Sioux Falls necessarily. I mean, and they just. Not more so than Derek Jones Jr., right? Right, yeah. And, uh, like, if there anybody got called up, you would just, you would just re sign uh, DJ. Yeah, yeah no. And, 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 uh, and, and Matt, uh, Matt Williams is, is always an option, right? Uh, Derek Walton. I mean, uh, well, I think that's what's going to happen, to be honest. I think what, what will happen is that they will free up that spot by ultimately uh, releasing A.J. Hammonds. Um, they could stretch the A.J. Hammonds deal if they really wanted to, and then the, the cap hit would be super minimal over the next four years but or three years. Um, but uh, I think they, they might do that, sign Derek Jones Jr., not even using the DPO probably, and then, um, and then bring uh, Matt Williams back on a two-way contract. Uh, go Knights. <laughs> go Knights. <laughs> um, anything? Any other thoughts that you want to get in there before we close up the Deion Waiters deep dive? You know, I, I'm just going to urge everybody to remain patient on Dion. I, I know that's a lot to deal with there. I think um, a lot of people were calling for him and are glad to see him hurt. That's obnoxious and stupid. Uh, you know, as much as we're enjoying this team playing at a high level, you never want anybody to get hurt out there. Uh, you know, just trying to do what they can. And he, yeah, sure, Dion has his issues. Which of us doesn't? And I, I think it's we still loved his game last year when he was trying hard. If he was trying a little less hard this season, or maybe he was hurt and trying to play through it, give the guy a break, and and hopefully he'll come back and and understand that there's a reduced role waiting for him to embrace, and he can do so at a highly efficient level, and 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 still provide some of those great moments that that helped us to appreciate him and his game. I agree. Look, this is a guy that's going to be on under contract at least for now. Um, and and as much as some people wanted to plug his name into the trade machine these last few weeks, nobody's taking Deion Waiters right now. Not when he's getting season and surgery. Not when they don't know how that ankle is. So he's going to be on this roster at least until this summer. And I think it's going to even then people are going to want to see how he performs. So until next season, Waiters is a part of this team. We'll see what his role is going forward. But hey, this is what they signed up for. And, and this is part of the Dion Waiters experience. It always has been. I think they knew what they were getting into. Um, all right. Well, this is our last show of the week. We'll be back next week. Uh, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening and subscribing. You can send mailbag questions and ask about advertising by sending an email to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Tweet your questions and comments for our recaps using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.